0: On this episode, are PayPal and Venmo joining forces to adopt crypto? FC Barcelona soccer team launches its tokens for fans and it raises more than a million dollars in less than two hours. USDC stablecoin leaves Ethereum for Algorand blockchain. And in China, will Justin Sun outshine Tron 4.0's launch? And China's nationwide blockchain platform embraces Chainlink. What does this all mean and more? Welcome to The Current Forecast, the podcast supplemental that dives into the top blockchain and emerging technology stories of the week, curated by the Forecast News editorial team. Welcome to episode 19, and it is the start of the second half of this year. I'm Angie Lau, Forecast News Editor-in-Chief. Joining me as usual is senior correspondent Sam Reynolds and our forecast insights guru. Sam, You ready for the second half?
1: Oh, I am ready. And thank God the first half is over. Let's just cross our fingers and hope that part two of the year is way better.
0: All right. Let's hope for a V-shaped recovery Uh, and possible here our first story Uh, could participate in that. This is really interesting news. Of course, this is uh, the rumor mill right now. Nothing has been confirmed, but we're seeing a close to 2,000% increase in search volumes on PayPal here uh, as an unnamed source tells Coindesk that PayPal and Venmo are going to allow buys and sells of crypto directly. Now, that would be pretty impactful for uh, PayPal, Venmo, uh, and more so the entire cryptocurrency uh, community. I mean, I I think that's just really what's garnering the interest right now and the excitement.
1: Well, you're right. I think that it would be quite impactful. However, there really is no way in hell that PayPal (laughs) would allow you to accept cryptocurrencies or let you buy and trade crypto. So what I think, though, is that there are some wires crossed here. There's no doubt that as a payment processor, you know, PayPal has an interest in improving payment rails and finding ways to improve upon the you know PayPal to uh, bank transfer process. And so in this process, you could use things like stable coins, you could use things like, you know, USDC and that kind of stuff. But I just don't see people being able to buy Bitcoin, buy Ethereum, buy Litecoin with PayPal. There's just so many things that could go wrong.
0: I mean, you know, stablecoin being one of them. How are you going to? Uh, uh, how are you going to in real time uh, create an exchange? I mean, one would have to assume that there has to be some sort of stablecoin or stable entity involved here.
1: I think so. So I think what you'll have perhaps is a behind the scenes implementation of stable coins in jurisdictions where PayPal takes a longer time to transfer funds. So in the US, PayPal takes about one day to do a fund transfer. However, here in Asia, it takes between three and five days. So if PayPal's banking partners also signed on to the stablecoin plan, PayPal could just use their ledger to transmit. Uh, stable coins to their wallet, all the while for the retail customer, it looks like a regular PayPal transaction. However, it's a lot faster.
0: All right. You know, what was really fast. How much uh, uh, FC Barcelona fans snapped up the tokens that were launched uh, in less than two hours. FC Barcelona sold out its fan token. And I remember being in uh, Barcelona, actually, uh whew, Feels like yeah, about a year ago, and um, there there was uh there was just this real, um, recognition that tokens and the way to engage with fans in a, a real world way, um, you know the fans are already so super engaged and and uh interactive with the with the the sports team that they were looking into a, a potential token, um, and sure enough, here it is. I uh, you know they raised more than a million dollars in less than two hours. uh, But this is really feels like it's just the beginning.
1: You know, it's a good way to build engagement with your fans. However, though, it's simply engagement. So none of the fans' decisions are binding. So the polls they vote on are just that, they're polls. It's not a way to, you know, decide by democracy if Player X should go or player Y should be hired. Because if they're actually binding, then you'd have a security because shareholders can vote on things and have a binding, but token holders cannot. You know, what I see here is definitely a great way to build hype, but is it really useful for this team? Because this is a massive, massive soccer team. And every year they clear about a billion dollars in revenue. So a $1 million token sale is simply a line item on their balance sheet. There's nothing major there.
0: It's a line item, to be sure, but that's the start. I mean, what I think was really important to FC Barcelona um, was uh, fan engagement. And this is a way that kind of creates that that multi-layer of interaction. So, you know, it might, whether or not the decisions are binding at least, uh, you know, you can participate. You know, if they, these, some of these fans are are just absolutely—I mean, the definition of fan probably <laughs> are lived by uh, a lot of these FC Barcelona fans. But um, just to even participate at a different level, at a at a higher level potentially, um, just a way to engage. I mean, who knows where it goes? It's it's uh, the beginning of um, what could be an expanding experiment. But, you know, past the experimental stage, I think this is just the, just is this, this is a different way to engage with, with fans. But, you know, you know better than me, Sam. I mean, you, you've covered the gaming space for, for a long time as an analyst. Um, but, you know, we do know that, that uh, in the gaming industry, uh, the, the economy of creating a, a, a distinct and, um, uh, customized economy within the ecosystem of, of your game is uh, almost as important as engaging with the fans.
1: Definitely. And so with esports growth, it takes a lot less capital to go far. Now, for instance, a top esports team might have yearly payroll between their 12 players of perhaps a million dollars. So, you know, if you can do a token sale and raise a million or a million five, that would be so much more useful for the team. Secondly, I just feel that the demographics between high growth esports and you know, soccer are more conducive and more friendly to a token sale. So I think it's a great reference customer for future fan engagement with sports teams. And I think that if a big esports team would do this, it'd really take off.
0: Yeah, and one to watch. I mean, who knows? Maybe they could white label it to other sports absolutely. teams. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. That the 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 whole industry and the whole whole um, sport is is watching very closely. All right, let's talk about this next story here. Uh, USDC. This is the world's second most popular stable coin by market cap. It's officially moving away from the Ethereum blockchain to integrate into the Algorand blockchain. What is the significance here? What, Why the move, number one? And and what impact, what significance has is it going to have?
1: Well, so I wouldn't take this as a condemnation of Ethereum, even though Ethereum is the grand workhorse of, you know, most of the token space and it has its problems. I wouldn't say that this necessarily is the ultimate damnation of it. You know, The other thing is it actually is good for the industry when you have more and more blockchains operating at a high level so there are right now dozens if not more blockchains but only a few are actually relevant to uh the broader economy so i would see this endorsement of uh this new blockchain as a good thing because you'll build it up and you'll have competition and you'll have more great minds working on building awesome products.
0: And the interesting thing is the auditing is also really, really um, consistent. And it just kind of builds into uh, the, the integrity of, uh, of, of the uh, USDC token itself. Um, you know, that immutability, that trust, governance is a huge deal as well.
1: It is. Now, Tether, which is a competitor in some ways to USDC, has a problematic relationship with auditors, we'll just say. And if this USDC fully engages with Grant Thornton and, you know, puts their books out for inspection, I think that it will, you know, solidify leadership where Tether and other uh, projects that don't have that same transparency, and don't subject their books to this rigorous authoring, they'll have problems.
0: Yeah. All right. In China, we are seeing some very interesting uh, acceleration in blockchain. Um, So the national level blockchain platform called BSN is uh, integrating Chainlink, that according to to a recent chain link announcement. So BSN is, as we know, the, the very ambitious Chinese national blockchain project uh, that launched earlier this year. Um, and it aims to build a global infrastructure network to help companies produce all kinds of blockchain applications faster and cheaper. But you know, with China being integral in the global supply chain, this actually could also really translate into an added layer of trust. Uh, especially at a time when, you know, in the global economy, there's it's, that's diminishing and eroding very quickly. So, so blockchain could potentially bolster this trust in an authentic way.
1: So, where chain link is valuable is it allows uh, oracles, which are uh, sources of truth, to write to the blockchain. So, for instance, Let's pretend that we had a D app that was used to track food from farm to table. Along the way, we have to, you know, have some data that tracks things like the additives in the food or the temperature of its storage, so on and so forth. And those rely on sensors. And this code called Oracle's this platform you know, allows that to go in the blockchain and do things like Execute smart contracts when you meet certain conditions, so on and so forth. So, Chainlink is that provider of solutions to ensure that you can have data from said oracles being written to BSN, or also if you have data from oracles on Ethereum, that can also be used on BSN too. So, it's simply a way to further you know, evolve and expand. The compatibility of BSN with multiple blockchains, because as great as BSN can be down the road, if it is not, you know, totally agnostic and open to other technology, it'll be one big silo.
0: Hmm. And last but not least, Justin Sun. <laughs> uh, I think the community can't get enough of this guy and maybe it has had enough, but it's interesting to see how Justin Sun is playing out in China. Um, so we know that uh, Tron 4.0 is unveiling uh, this week, first week of July. Uh, what's what's the what's the deal with Justin Sun? What's happening in China in, in, ahead of, of that big launch?
1: Well, it seems that the sun shines brightest on Justin because it's it's despite all of the, you know, attention he gets and despite all of the interest, you know, you have in Justin, Tron itself does not actually have a proportional uptake by developers or the community. So Justin likes to do things like give out gifts to those who sing his praises on Weibo or do things like, you know, set records for uh, lunches at that charity lunch with Warren Buffett, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, when you talk about Tron, you talk about Justin's son, you don't talk about the potential that Tron has, because it's my belief that there is actually a huge market for Tron, which offers a decentralized uh, platform and a way to monetize media, but you can't explore that aspect technically without cutting through the drama of Justin.
0: And the question is, is the drama enough to attract the developers and users of Tron 4.0?
1: Well, the problem is actually it might repel them because mm. if you see this, you might think of Tron as merely a personality cult run by someone that is unstable versus a project that has a lot of potential. Because remember, you know, Tron bought BitTorrent, which is a very successful peer-to-peer, um, you know, clients and protocol for moving data around the internet. And that combined with a way to monetize files you download, would be the real killer rap to allow folks to get their content out there, and get paid for it. That being said though, it's just, it's too hard to separate that from Justin.
0: The stars, the star is shining brightest and maybe he could be Icarus flying too close to the sun. We shall see, but that wraps it up for this uh, current forecast episode. Sam, as always a pleasure. Stay dry out there. I hear it's raining.
1: It is pouring outside.
0: (laughs) Stay dry and, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll investigate this PayPal thing a little little bit more, see if there's any uh, teeth to this rumor. But for now, uh, that's all we've got for you guys. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us on this latest episode of The Current Forecast. I'm Angie Lau, Forecast News Editor-in-Chief. Until the next time.